Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Activate Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Activate. We have been, we've been together for a while now. And what I've noticed is when you spend a lot of time with someone, you can start to kind of pick up some of the things they do, okay? And you may notice this. So sometimes you can start to act in certain ways they act. Sometimes you can start to say things they say. And this isn't just true if you're in a relationship. This is true if you're like best friends with people. Has, any, has this ever happened to you? Like you have a saying, something that you say, then you've seen your other mate say it, or they say something, and all of a sudden you've, you've started saying it, and it's not like you mean to, but it just starts to happen. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah, well, it started to happen in our relationship, and that's when I, th- that's when I knew um, that things were getting serious, okay? Um, so there's something I say uh, a fair bit, um, and that is, oh, yeah. So if something goes well, if something good happens, I'll say, oh, yeah. And, um, and recently, Amy has started to say, oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's so cute when she says that. Um, but at the same time, she, I've started to say something. She says a fair bit. Uh, she reminded me of something else this morning, but I'm just going to stick with the, one I, uh, the illustration I had this morning. And that is she says yes, right? Like, yes, you say, oh, everyone says yes. Um, but she doesn't always say it like, yes. Sometimes she replaces the E with about 20 A's, <coughs> and she says, yes. <laughs> has anyone here said, has anyone heard that or say that? Yes. Yeah. So Amy says, yes, sometimes. Um, and, and oh man, it's like the one thing you don't want to say like as a dude, the one thing that I can't, I can't believe I'm saying this, I started to say it. I started to say, yes. So I can be with a group of guys, like hanging, hanging out with my mates, and it just slips out. So saying yes, I'm like, yes. I'll just get, I'll get weird looks, and then I'll leave. Um, yeah, so we've started, we've picked up. I've started to change. She's started to change. And what I've noticed is, as people, we change, don't we? We change over time. And it's easy to think that, oh, no, I'm the same person now as, all, as I'll always be. I don't change, people don't change, but trust me, people change. And it's not just on the outside, it's also can be on the inside, in the heart. Our character can change, even our personality can seem to change a bit. Tonight, my message is called Still Changing, Still Changing. And I want to read to you um, out of Romans. So if we can get that up on the screen, I just want to read a, f- a few um, verses to you. So in Romans chapter 6, 11 to 14, it says, So you... Also, must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace." So that is the Apostle Paul writing, and he is talking to Christians. So if you're here tonight, and you you made the decision, yep, I'm going to follow Jesus, okay? Then you are a Christian, and that, that is for you. In fact, when I read that, I think to myself, oh my goodness, I have an obligation to change. Change isn't just a good idea anymore for me. If I call myself a follower of Jesus, I have an obligation to change. I have been charged to change. When we first give, give our life to God, it's an awesome moment. It's amazing. And we're saved. No doubt we are saved in that moment. And, and it's incredible. But that's not the end. 
It's not like we just get our ticket to heaven and be like, oh, yes, sweet. I'll just go back to doing all that dodgy stuff. Um, God actually wants to change you and your life. There's more to it than just a decision. God doesn't want to make us to just make decisions. He wants to make disciples out of us. He wants us to change from the inside out. He expects us to change. And what I've realized is it, everyone can change, right? I honestly believe that everyone can change. But the thing is, I think that sometimes as people, we can get a weird idea about what we should change. Because what I've noticed is we can think that we should change something or we can think that something is worth changing and we can fix our eyes on changing something in us and we totally forget to go to God and ask God, hey, what do you think needs to be changed in me? And that's a really, really important question to ask, and here's why. Because we're only graced or we're only empowered to change the stuff that God wants changed in us. There are some things that are worth changing and some things that just aren't. Some things are just not worth your bother or not worth your time, but there's some things that are worth changing. And those are the things that God says we, could, we should change. And if he's graced you to change it, trust me, you can change it. There's an awesome story in the Bible, and it's a story um, about Jesus and a lady who was caught in adultery, in the act, it says. And basically, Jesus is up early in the morning. He's being awesome, doing his Jesus thing, teaching people. He's at the temple. Everyone's just sitting there like, oh my goodness, it's Jesus. And it's all peaceful. Just imagine the atmosphere. Imagine being at the feet of Jesus, listening to his teaching. Then all of a sudden, in a moment, these crazy, mean Pharisees and Sadducees, these religious people who are all about the rules, they come charging in, they destroy the atmosphere, and they throw in front of Jesus a woman caught in adultery. Okay? And they say to Jesus, Jesus, this woman, she was caught in adultery. The law says that she should be stoned to death. That's intense. Okay? That's intense stuff. And they think they've got Jesus. It's like, oh, what's he going to do about it? What's he going to do? They want to trap him, but Jesus, in his wit and in his power and in his grace, he just says, he who has not sinned cast the first stone. So what happens? Well, the Pharisees and the Sadducees start to walk away because they understand they've got sin in their life. Who are they to cast a stone? The only person who could was Jesus because he lived the sinless, perfect life that we couldn't live for us. So he had every right to, but what does he do? What does he choose to do? He looks at the woman who's probably just oh, so embarrassed and he says to her, I don't condemn you either. I forgive you. But then he says, go and sin no more or go and change. He forgave her. Amazing. But he doesn't leave it there. He says, go, go and change. Go and sin no more. And so often God forgives us of stuff and then we just kind of walk away. But what he says is, he says, hey, you, go and change that thing. He wants us to change certain stuff in our lives. And when he says go and change it, here's the kicker. He wouldn't say go and change it if you couldn't. God ain't going to set you up for a massive fail. Yeah, go change it. Sucker, he's never going to be able to change it. <laughs> God doesn't do that. He says go change it. You are grace to change it. Grace doesn't just, it's not just the forgiveness of sins. It empowers us to change the stuff in our life that God wants us to change. And if you're here tonight and you're thinking, okay, well, there is some stuff in my life and I think uh, I'm not sure if I'm the one who really wants to change. I'm not sure if it's important to God or is it a God thing? Does God want me to change that thing? I don't really know. 
it's really easy to kind of figure out what are things that are worth changing, and this is how you know. If it's going to make you more like Jesus, if it's going to make you more holy, then it's worth changing. If you have stuff in your life and you're trying to change it so much, but it's not going to make you more like Jesus, it's not going to make you more holy, then you could just be wasting your time. I was looking on Google recently, and I found a a video, and it was like a survey, it was like a study, and basically the people in this study went around and they asked a bunch of just everyday, normal folk, like you and me, oh, we're not that normal, are we? We're in church. Um, A bunch of normal folk out there, um, everyday people, and they asked them, if you could change one thing about yourself, what would you change? Do you want to know what they said? No? Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. They said, one thing you could change. Hopefully some of these, you may connect with a few. One person said their hair. Another one said their weight. More fit, abs of steel, a six-pack. Oh, yeah. Um, Some person said, become... (laughs) I said the thing. I said the thing. Oh, well, there we go. I wasn't lying, okay? I'm an honest preacher. Um, Number four, become less strong because I'm too strong, so become weaker. Who would say that? Was that you, Zach Hooper? No? Okay. Um, Number five, reduce hand sweat. Have Have we got any hand sweaters in the building tonight? No? I'm going to move on. Uh, People are laughing because this morning I mentioned someone and then I kind of threw myself in front of the bus and I got in trouble. I'm going to move on. So the next one, someone wants to change. They want nicer feet. Nicer feet. Anyone got ugly feet? (laughs) I've got ugly feet. Thank you for being honest, Angela. Um, Be a better dancer. (laughs) Be a better dancer. Do we, want, do we have anyone here who wants to be a better dancer? I want to be a better dancer. Not overthink. Not overthink. We've got some overthinkers in the Christian house tonight. We always have overthinkers. Um, be able to grow a full beard. Be able to grow a full beard. Yeah, Vincent, yeah. Um, be richer. Richer. Who wants to be richer? <laughs> yeah. Uh, my bad habit of interrupting people. Hmm. Someone wish they can just change their eyes, their nose, and their skin. Um, someone says, I wish I could grow my hair out longer. Another one said, I wish I had hair. <laughs> and my two personal favorites at the end, uh, if you could change one thing, what would you change? Someone said, my face. That's actually kind of sad, that poor person. And another person said, I wish I didn't have resting mean face all the time. <laughs> so there we go. There's a bunch of things that people wish they could change. Now... I wonder, what's the one thing you wish you could change? If you were asked the question, hey, if there was one thing you could change, what would you say? And it's a really important question. Because if you say something that God doesn't really give a rip about, then maybe you're not empowered to change it. If you say something that aligns with what God wants changed in you, you are empowered and graced to change that thing. So it's a really important question that we need to ask ourselves. And here's the kicker. Everyone can change, right? Everyone can change, you can change. But intentional people, they seem to change more. We need to make intentional more conventional. And it's really easy as Christians to kind of go, oh yeah, there's this thing in my life, I know God wants to change it and ask forgiveness for it all the time. Uh, but, and that's it. And it stops there. But God wants us to be intentional. I did a study in uni. 
Um, so I did a master's, of, master's degree, master's of teaching, and at the end of that, I had to do a behavior change analysis, okay? So a part of this study is I had to think of something in my life that I wanted to change, and then I need to do a study to see if I could actually change it. So I decided that I wanted to try and change my habit of running, because I hated running. I hated running. I didn't mind lifting weights and stuff like that, but man, I, I wasn't a fan of running. I think it's because when I was younger, um, I was one of those kids who pushed themselves so much in cross country that I used to chuck at the end, because I was really determined and I wanted to win. Do we have any winners in the building? A few? <laughs> uh, prideful. Um, nah, kidding. It was my family who put their hands up because uh, their last names win. Um, so I wanted to win. So I used to push myself. But then that made me kind of hate running. I hated it because every time I thought of running, I thought of spewing up and I felt anxious about it. I didn't want to do it, but I knew it would be really good for me. So I wanted to change that behavior. So I did a, it was like over the course of five weeks, I did these interventions in my life to see if I could change that behavior. So what I did was I needed to run three or three or four times a week, at least two kilometers. I needed to change my sleeping patterns because I realized that those were behaviors informing the main behavior that I wanted to change. Some of us have issues in our lives and behaviors. We don't realize that there's other stuff that's informing that. So when we focus on that thing, we don't realize that there's other, this other stuff that God needs to deal with before I can deal with that thing. So I realized that there's these antecedents that inform the behavior. So first I had to work on those, and then I got to work on the main behavior. And I had some reward systems in place. So if I did run three or four times a week, I got the rewards. I got to choose my rewards. So this is what I chose. I chose on the Friday night, I would get takeout, probably like KFC Maccas or something. Um, I'd get to watch a movie, and I'd get to treat myself to a couple of frothies, a couple of beers. Sometimes I turn into three or four. Um, but that was before I was really close to Jesus, everybody. Okay. So those were my rewards. Okay. So I did this intervention for about five weeks and guess what? It actually kind of worked. I was kind of skeptical at the start. I'm like, yeah, if I do this, I'm not really going to feel different about it. But at the end of those five weeks after doing that, my attitude towards running had really changed. I actually started to kind of enjoy it. I stopped the rewards I stopped, I stopped the study completely, and I was doing the write-up, like um, writing my conclusions and everything, and I, like in the mornings and stuff, I actually felt like running. I couldn't believe it. It actually worked. But I tell you what, those five weeks, those, when, when those interventions were happening, when I had to force myself to run, I tell you what it felt like. It felt like suffering. I hated it. And this is the thing. God can ask us to do something, Sometimes we need to be obedient, we need to be intentional if we're going to see the change that God wants in us. But during that season when we need to be intentional, it can feel like suffering. It really can, and it can be really tough. But that's where we've got to stick at it. We've got to push through. Because eventually when we get to the end, we can start to see fruit. So I just want to show you on the screen a couple of verses. So um, Romans 8.13 and 2 Peter 1.5. And here it says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And then in 2 Peter 1.5, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with understanding. You put to death. Make every effort. When it comes to our change, it's both passive and active. Meaning, God is playing His part okay, in your change. He's changing your heart. He's changing you on the inside, but it also requires us to be obedient. And that's the active part. That's the intentional part. We need to try and put things to death. We need to put in every effort. 
And when we start to do that, we can start to see outward change in our life. And here's the thing. You may be here seated in your chair and you're thinking, yeah, that's great. You know, I know I'm not perfect. There's stuff in my life that isn't all together. I'm not Jesus. There's stuff in me that I know God probably wants me to change. And I know it's from God. And also, I'm trying to be intentional. I'm trying hard. I'm trying hard. But nothing seems to, seems to be happening. I don't, I don't seem to be changing. What's up with this, God? What's going on? And here's the thing. God promises that if you're intentional and if you're obedient, that he will change you. But he doesn't promise the change will be quick. And here's why. Because heart surgery is complex. This isn't just an outside thing. This isn't a small thing. God is going to work on your heart. He's changing you from the inside out. I've got something I want to show you quickly. These are some eggs from home. I raided the kitchen this morning um, and I got some eggs. And here's my first egg. It's been sitting out all day. Are they all right to eat still? It's all right. I think so. Anyway, I'll, take them. I'll give them a crack tonight. Be a bit hungry. Um, so here is my first egg. Okay, everyone see the egg? Yeah, everyone can see the egg. What do you see when you look at that egg? I'll tell you what I see. I see a, a brown shell. It's kind of hard. Uh, it's kind of oval shaped. And to be honest, that's about it. That's about it. That's, that's about all I see. And this is a one-day-old fertilized egg. Okay, so this is a one-day-old fertilized egg. Just a hard shell. Can't really see much. Yeah, let's have a look at our other egg. Now, this egg, whew, this egg's different. This egg's special. You can probably see it straight away. Look at that thing. Oh, you beauty. What an egg. Wow. Whoa. Now, this is a 20-day-old fertilized egg. Look at that. Look how different it looks to the other one. What do you see? I'll tell you what I see. It looks brown. It's kind of oval-shaped. It's kind of hard. Nah, it's exactly like the other one. It's exactly like the other one. It looks exactly the same, but this is the point I'm trying to make. If this was a 20-day fertilized egg and that was a one-day fertilized egg, on the outside they look totally the same. On the inside, completely different. Okay? One has only just started the journey. Okay? On the inside, you look at that one. If that was a one-day fertilized egg, you'll see a yolk, you'll see a white, nothing special. You looked inside of this one, 20 days. It is a moment away from that outer shell cracking and the new life coming forth. The transformation that's happening on the inside is about to manifest itself physically on the outside. And here's the thing, when it comes to your transformation, your behavior change, you may not notice this or you may not realize this, but first your heart needs to change until you see an outward change. And that takes time. That takes your obedience and it also takes God working on you on the inside. Let me share to you a verse out of 2 Corinthians. And here it says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So that's 2 Corinthians 3.8. We are being transformed. It's so easy to become so disheartened when you've been slugging away trying to change something, when you're trying to be intentional, when you're trying to be obedient, but you see no change on the outside. 
you see nothing's happening. It's so easy to get to beat yourself up. It's so easy to give up. But in those moments, you need to, you need to have faith. You need to stay optimistic. You need to believe that God is doing a great, great work inside of you. And you may not see an outward change at the moment, but that outward change will come once your heart, once the inner change has, has been completed. And that can be really, really difficult as a person to keep, to keep, to keep going, even though you're not seeing an outward change, kind of like with the egg, you don't know where you are. You could be one day in, 10 days in, 15 days in, or you could be on the 21st day and there's about to be breakthrough. You don't know, we don't know. But that's why as Christians, what did Jesus talk about all the time? Faith. He talks about faith all the time, and it's important as Christians that we cultivate an attitude of faith in every single aspect of our lives. We need to be optimistic. If you fall short, if you have a bad day, don't give up. Keep going. Keep having faith, believing that your breakthrough could just be a day away. And you've got to understand that we're never going to be perfect. You're never going to be perfect. You do understand that, right? We're never going to be perfect. We're never going to be completely like Jesus. That's why God sent his one and only son to die for you and die for me. We're saved by grace. Okay, we are saved by grace and it is a beautiful thing. But God is taking us on a journey where he's making us more and more like him. We're becoming more and more like Jesus. We're becoming more and more holy every single day of our Christian life. But we're carrying around these body bags, okay, this flesh nature, and we're never going to be totally holy. But that doesn't mean we're not obedient. That doesn't mean we don't try and change the stuff in our lives that God is speaking to us about. We've got to be intentional and we've got to have faith and believe that we are being transformed from the inside out when we go through the hard seasons. Because you can see a person and it seems like they've had amazing breakthrough all of a sudden in a moment. And you can be thinking, man, that person, they're the luckiest guy in the world. They just seem to get breakthrough all the time. They're getting breakthrough here, breakthrough there. They're changing. Look at me. Look at me. I'm the same now as I was before. You may think that, but what you don't understand with that person is maybe they went through two years where they were being changed on the inside and then in a moment you see the outward change. So you've got to understand that often there is a season of suffering being intentional before you see the season of breakthrough. So your heart surgery needs something to be successful. It needs the right motivation. So the change that we want to see, that heart surgery, sometimes it's not always successful. And the reason for that, the reason we maybe just change for a little bit and we don't really change deeply is because maybe at the very beginning, at the start, we never truly had the right motivation. We've got to ask ourselves, why are we doing this? Who am I changing for? Am I, tra- am I changing for me? Is this all about me? Am I wanting to change because I want people to look up to me more? Am I wanting to change because I hate the guilt and the shame that always comes when I stuff up and that's the reason I want to change? Am I wanting to change so that I can maybe get a promotion? Maybe I can go higher up in ministry? Maybe so I don't get found out? Is that my reason for wanting to change? If our reason for change is all about us, we may never really see the breakthrough that we're after. We may never see deep, lasting change. We've got to change our mind and our thinking from it being all about me, my change, to it being all about him.
to have been all about Jesus. It's when we get our eyes off us and when we start wanting to change for Jesus, for our Savior, that we can see incredible lasting change in our life. And it's an amazing thing. That's my story in many ways. Um, I know like about, about four years ago, I was really far from God and there was stuff in my life that was really terrible and I wanted to change, but I was really having a hard time trying to change it. Really having a hard time trying to change it. There was stuff I was doing, I'm like, what the heck, why am I doing this? And I'd always regret it and I'd try and change, but the reason I wanted to change, it's all about me. I wanted people to look at me. I wanted my parents to be more proud of me. You know, I didn't want to feel the guilt and shame anymore. It was, all, it was always about me. It was always about me. But then what happened is, <laughs> I came back to church and I felt the love and the grace of God anyway. So even though I was stuffing up, even though I was making mistakes, I came to church and God just gave me a big old hug. He loved on me. He, oh, it was amazing. And then I realized that what I do, my actions, God loves me the same no matter what. So all of a sudden, I just fell in love in a deeper, more real way than ever before. And now I wanted to change for a different reason. Now I didn't want to change because I thought it was a good thing and I wanted to make people proud. Now I wanted to change because I have a God who loves me so much that I came back to church and He loved me to bits and He let me in and He loved me. So now I wanted to change for Him because I understand that a lot of that stuff in my life, that junk, that's what sent the love of my life, Jesus, to the cross. And it was a revelation of that, what God did for me, that brought me to a place where I wanted to change for Him. And that's where we need to get. We need to get to that place. When you get to that place, you can start to see deep, lasting change in your heart. And I know that is what God wants for you. We unlock the power to change when we get on our knees and when we go to the cross. The power to change is unlocked when we position ourselves at the cross. There's a verse in Romans and a verse in John that I just want to share. And it says in Romans, Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Do you understand that if you're here, you're a Christian, you have been brought from death to life? What an amazing thing. It's incredible. It goes on to say, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. We're saved by grace. And then in John 14, 15, Jesus says this, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. I look at it like this. How the heck am I supposed to keep the commandments if I don't love Jesus? I need to love Jesus if I'm going to keep the commandments. It's love for Jesus that empowers us to be able to follow, to be able to be obedient, to be able to hold out in the rough, long seasons where God's changing us, but we're seeing no breakthrough. It's love for Jesus that enables us and graces us to be able to do that stuff. Why don't you guys stand to your feet? Hey, thanks for listening to the Activate Church weekly podcast. We hope you are encouraged today and we would love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to activatechurch.com.